0: Table. My name is Josh Waringa, and I'm here in studio today with Maria Caruso and Dan Cohen.
1: Maria, you got a message for us? I sure do. We're not here to treat, diagnose, or cure post traumatic stress. These are just conversations, sharing experiences with a goal of raising awareness and education, building camaraderie among those that have served, as well as bridging that gap with those that haven't.
0: So it's been a while since you've been on here, Dan. What have you been up to since then?
2: Ah, a little bit of everything and everything yeah <laughs> even your death experiences um, <laughs> to say the least mm-hmm. um, breaking a 10-year addiction of alcohol getting oh, clean man. and pretty much just trying to improve life
0: that's awesome congrats uh, how how long have you been sober from alcohol today
2: I hit four months uh, two days ago
0: outstanding man that's
2: great but that feels really good awesome I, I yeah. mean my whole life complete 360.
0: That's amazing, man. That's completely good to hear. And that's really awesome. And everybody's got their own relationship with alcohol. And that's one of the areas I work in in research as well as clinical work, as well as a therapist. And everybody's a little different and everybody's journey is different. And it sounds like you found what works for you.
2: Uh, For the most part. And that's really the biggest thing about, I guess, at least in my experience, it's different for everybody. I found out what is working for me because it's a day at a time. It really is. Um, You gotta think about the first thing. It's the first thing you gotta think about when you wake up in the morning. The last thing before you go to bed, because if you don't, you you can't be. I can't be a father. I can't be a good employee. Mm -hmm. I. It's just a downward spiral from there. So it really is. It is life changing, and it's work. It is hard work because, and and you gotta really do the work. In, internally and externally, and that was the biggest thing for me this time around with sobriety was actually taking the 12 step program seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened for me, uh, I'll go back a little bit. Yeah, um, sure. I came home from Kandahar, uh, Afghanistan in 2013, and um, pretty much from there, I found alcohol is just my my way of self medicating. Mm-hmm. Um, I was afraid of going to the psychiatrists and actually getting help. I'm sure most veterans feel that way. Oh, absolutely. The stigmas. And
0: then I got pulled out my, I was filling out the, you know, they do those screeners. So I yeah. was coming back from Iraq in '07, seven and my staff sergeant walked up and he's like, Hey man, I'm not going to tell you what to put on these screeners, but there's two lines over there. You see the one on the left, you see the one on the right. And I'm like, yep. The one on the left is going to the head shrink. The one on the right is going home. Pick your line. And I went back and changed to like five pages of answers because I was going home. Yep. <laughs> so I completely <laughs> hear that, man. And,
2: and that, oh, and that's the craziest thing because uh, looking back, that's really what it was. You go through dMobe and it, you just want to get home. And even though you're going down the list and you're like, oh, yes, 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 but then same kind of factor of like well, that's going to be a three month stay. So then mm-hmm. you just go back to no and just I'm good, I'm fine. And then you find find out you're not fine sometimes it's too late sometimes you find out soon enough it it all works out differently for everybody yeah for me i had to suffer consequence after consequence before i was finally realized you know step one which is i am powerless you know my it's there is no one drink you know maybe at one time there was but something is just is in your head with alcoholism that you are, you essentially are powerless over it and one turns into 10. And before you know it, you're, that's all you need. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's progressive. And it, for me, it took eight years before it finally hit me in the face is when I got um, my first DUI. I, um, I blew uh, a 0.25 and I got pulled over because <laughs> my headlights were shorted out. <laughs> yeah, I was just driving down uh, the road, making a left down my side street, and my headlights were shorted out, which I just knew about. I pulled over to the side of the road to check the headlights, and before I knew it, I had a spotlight. No red and blues like the classic, it was just a spotlight. He was mm-hmm. just coming to check up on me. I was going eastbound, I, he was going westbound. And, uh, obviously we all know that when a conversation goes down of maybe mm-hmm. anything to drink tonight. And, um, Looking back, I, I even do remember the officer saying, like, multiple times when I do that finalization test in the uh at the cop shop when they say when it's the actual official record and it had gone up and I was essentially fine. And they're like, mm-hmm. This is scary. And um at the time it was kind of like, Okay. You know, I accepted the fact of okay, this is it. Um I got into a veteran uh, treatment court program because one of my old squad leaders had uh, referred me to a lawyer that he had that finally Mm -hmm. helped him get clean and sober. And he's going, I believe, six years around there and um, got into veterans court through 41B. And it was a great program, honestly. It was hosted through the VA. Uh, We went through uh, relapse prevention, the whole nine yards. And that 15 months of sobriety did clear my head. Um, I went through the birth of my daughter with it and completely changed my life. And then COVID hit. And pretty much it was like, all right, can't go to the courts, nothing like that. So they just graduated you and move on with your life. And then I went to the classic. Nah, I can have one. It's been a year and a half. If I could have one. I'll be good. Well, that one turned into... You know, whenever I could, I would get the opportunity. Then it turned into I would purposely find the opportunity to, or um, hiding it. You know, mm-hmm. swearing up, up up and down the street. No, I didn't have a drink. I didn't have a drink. And you could be convincible, but you're not. Yeah. And the worst part is when you're lying to yourself because you know. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing for me was the power of cho- was losing the power of choice because. I would even tell my close friend and coworker, man, I'm going downhill. I, like I'm, I'm almost at that limit of where I was at. And it was sadly at a fifth of the day, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would drink a pint and then, you know, throughout the night, I would have another one. And then it's like, you know, it, it. You but your mind, you just don't think about it because you're insane at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, and you know and that was over the course of a couple of years, and finally uh, I hit my final rock bottom back in this first of the year. I um I developed pancreatitis. Um went to the uh, had to go to the hospital. I was admitted for two weeks. Um I was told by two separate doctors I had the worst liver and pancreas of somebody my age. And I turned 32 this month. (laughs) And um, I was uh, feeding tube ventilator in a coma for three days, had a seizure in front of my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, I thought I was dead. That's kind of, and that's where I didn't realize that I was in a coma at the time. I finally came to, uh, I went into the hospital Thursday morning I remember my seat. The last time I remember it was eleven forty-five in the morning, and then I came to sometime that following Monday. Mm. I had uh, restraints on the floor. My throat hurt. My nose hurt. wasn't I was confused by that. Heart monitors all over me, and um, pretty much I was just sedated and with morphine every three hours because that's yeah. the, I guess the standard protocol for pancreatitis is just to make comfortable. And then, uh, as I was coming more, more to everything, is when I started really realize what was going on, and hearing everything from the doctors, and really truly that I was, I would have, I would not be here right now, and that the doctors were not nice, when as they shouldn't be, because it wasn't like you know a fluke accident. It was literally like, you're killing yourself, dude, and pretty mm-hmm. much like I had one doctor tell me well, you're at 10 days clean. This is probably the longest you've been cleaning in a long time with your results or with your uh, enzyme and whatnot levels. He's like, you can make a choice right now. Continue this path and just stay clean after everything that you've just gone through or go back to it. I really don't care. And I was like, and that's kind of where I realized, like, I'm not doing this, man. Because the hardest thing about... Mental health, alcohol, depression. You know, alcohol is a depressant. When you're already depressed, Mm -hmm. what does it do? makes you more depressed. Absolutely. And And it tricks you
0: first, too, because, like, that first two drinks, like, you're like, oh, man, this feels good. Then three hours later, it just, or whatever it is later, it just tanks. And it can tank for, like, a couple days, you know, even if you stop drinking after that. It can take, like, two to three days for your mood to come back
2: up. And um, I was doing a lot of research, too, and uh, that's one thing I found out. Is uh, the cla essentially a hangover? Is you're still drunk, you may not feel the, mm-hmm. the euphoric effects. Said, you know, like it's uh, how many times has anyone day drunk or day drank, you know, have a couple beers or whatnot, and then come two or three hours later, you're groggy, you're miserable, you want to take a nap, you're irritable mm-hmm. because now you're having the after effects, you know, uh, or people say, if you stop drinking at say 1 a.m., oh, I got work at eight or nine, that's six hours of sleep, I'll be good. <laughs> you're not sober, dude. You're still gonna be over the legal limit of driving. Maybe you personally feel like you're good to drive, but I'm sorry, you're not. And I think that was another realization for me. Like I just lived my life hungover or act- or actively drunk for the last ten years of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where'd the time go? Yeah, you know. And that was the other thing that I just wanted to make a change. You know, I got a three year old daughter at home, and I'm grateful that she's not going to see me drink ever again. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that my alcoholism was so severe it had to stop. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the best thing that happened to me. It sucked that it had to come to that, but, you know, those are some of the consequences Like people don't really talk about or people don't fully realize, you know, because uh, I do have the fear, like everyone has a fear of relapse you know it every day i think about it like in the sense of like i'm so proud of as far as i come why would i want to ruin that yeah but i also have the motivation of knowing that i i've sadly destroyed my body so bad from alcohol that i was if i have a drink i could just either be dead or just wind up right back into the hospital in the same state again because there is no safe limit of alcohol with pancreatitis So you could have one, one drink and be fine. Or you could have that one drink and that's your death sentence. Mm -hmm. So I got that motivation. I got the motivation. I have my, my parents are proud of me. My, my coworkers are proud of me. So it's like, why would I want to let them down? I owe so much to myself and everybody close to me in my life has seen the change. Like if where I'm at right now, wasn't better Like, why would I go back to that? And I think that's, and that's the other thing is uh, with drinking and using, you want that instant gratification because you do. You get a, Mm -hmm. you have that rough day at work or whatever it may be. You take that first drink, that first shot, and you feel that sigh of relief. And that's essentially what you're chasing. Uh, That I guess all the time. And I I guess that would be the case with any drug, you know? You're always just wanting to feel that feeling over and over again. But the sad part is you're not. And um, you got to, you just got to really just (laughs) kind of losing train of thought right there.
0: No, I mean, there's there's a lot of different things I'm hearing you're saying. And just like one, finding that motivation for you. Remember when we started talking about this topic, you said it's okay to be selfish about this and figure out what works for you. And that's so true. To sit there and realize what's important to you. What do you value? Your daughter, your parents being proud, you being healthy, like having that camaraderie of your coworkers go, hey, no, dude, you're doing awesome. You're doing great. You're doing great work, you know, and then also just feeling good. We don't talk about like I was like, oh, let's go have a party. Right. But nobody talks about how cruddy you feel later yeah. how bloated you get if you drink a 12 pack of, you know whatever beers and stuff like that We don't really ever focus on that we always talk about that in the moment self gratification so it's almost like you got to twist the selfishness to go i want to feel good right now i want to feel good throughout the week i want to feel good exactly. this month my life i want to feel good and i mean
2: just health-wise like in the four months at Feel tremendous, the, pain, the aches and pains that I normally always have, yeah, they're there. But they're not mm-hmm. as bad, you know. I've already have uh, a bunch of gut issues just existing, just from oh, yeah being on the burn pit registry and just everything from military related, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely, and associate with uh, everything I've done to my insides from drinking, you know. as mm-hmm. so, I mean, a for uh, for about a good year, I mean, I'll be honest with you guys, I was shitting straight blood. And, you know, I was honestly fooling my mind, like, oh, no. Yeah, something else. One, I didn't want to accept what it really was. And then I also didn't want to accept the fact of what it could be, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I guess my, especially during that time, too, my spiral depression, and I will talk, it, probably the, so lost, so gone, you know, like I, I think back in those days, like I see pictures on my phone of, of me and I'm like, the fuck is that, you know? And um I can only imagine what everyone else thought, but you don't see that you just, and that also killed, like really kills your, uh, your mental health because, you know, and then you get into uh, suicidal thoughts. Cause I did, mm-hmm. I did, uh, I went to the VA a few times to tr- and seeking, Impatient, because I knew that I I couldn't do it on my own. And Mm -hmm. I was told a couple of times, Oh, well, you're not too far gone. You're not openly saying you're going to do it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Well, I got the thoughts. I would like, that's why I'm here. Well, essentially. So are you going to go home and kill yourself? I'm I'm not going to say yes, but you know, I'm kind of talking to you about it right now. So, I mean, the offer is on the table to me in my head. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, you're accepting that. Or you're recognizing that it's it's there, but you still have something holding you back. So you're they pretty much said you're still in your head, enough. I'm like,
0: yeah, it's like okay. it's like a fine balance between you know when we when we talk about suicidality, we're looking for safety measures, safety precautions, right? And when somebody's like, oh, it's on the table, but I'm still debating it, we're like, all right, well, where does this person really sit? And we always go for the lowest level of treatment. Problem is, you know, when you sit there and, and this is where it gets really weird, like if you're not familiar with it, if you're just triaging or whatever, and that's not something you're used to seeing often, you can kind of be blinded by like, oh, look, it's nice and shiny. See, there's there's a silver lining here, right? But when you start actually talking to people about suicidality, looking at the way they move, the way they talk, and they're, you know, like you just said, well, it's not not on the table, like to me, that's like, oh, that's a red flag. You came in here by yourself. It's not not on the table, which means it's also not not off the table. So, what is the appropriate level of care? So, and that's it's such a huge conversation. Sometimes the VA just has these default moves, right? And now in research, it's like, well, I, a researcher, I can't clinically help you. I'm bound by this grant. So, here's your, you know, Veterans Crisis Line. Or yeah. in clinical work, it's like, all right, well do we walk downstairs? Do we go this way? And what's interesting about it when I was interning in the Sud clinic in Ann Arbor, we did, we do triage. So you get triage. Yep. It's anything could be Sud PTSD. It could be personality disorder related. And I'm sitting there and like, my boss is like, Hey, you got this. And I'm like, I got this man. I've been here for 10 months. I'm feeling confident. No, I was not. <laughs> like, it was about five minutes into that conversation. I was like, I need help. Because it was more that I realized this guy was pretty serious. And even then, we still had to go down to the emergency department, triage him there, sign the paperwork to make sure he didn't get in his car and drive away, because that was part of his plan, right, to get him into, you know, inpatient. You know? And so there's just those levels of care sometimes can be there. and It, it can be difficult, and yeah, it's just wonky that you're there going – well, I'm here. So it's like, I don't want to say it's bad. Cause we don't want to say it's bad. Cause yeah. we know the moment we say it's actually this bad. You lose your ability to leave the hospital when you want to. Exactly. So there's also that like trying to like, how honest can I be before I lose my own autonomy?
2: And, and that was kind of the fear in my head because, uh, I lived back in Arizona. I lived in Arizona back in uh, 2014, 2015. And, uh, that's exactly what happened. I had another rock bottom and again, going back in, uh, doing the inventory in my head of all the things that have transpired over the last 10 years. Like mm-hmm. I, that's, I had a meltdown and before I knew it, I was walking down in oncoming traffic on like a main road in Casa Grande, Arizona, realize that people don't want to hit another person walking down. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, uh, Went to my shitty job I had at the time. And um, before I knew it, the police were there because obviously somebody made a report. Yeah. And uh, one thing that just clicked in my head was I'm a veteran and I need help. And that completely eliminated the charge of like that possible jail time and at least whatever could happen legally. But now I ended up just doing a three-month stint in the Tucson VA. And I was just a guinea pig with pills. And essentially I wasn't sure where my head was at because I didn't know what was going on. And so especially fast forward to now, I didn't want to also get in that same predicament. Now I'm three months out of work, three months not having my daughter, possibly longer, whatever the downward spiral from that is. But I also realized with Gaining Clean, I didn't I didn't want to commit suicide. I Any mean, like it, it the suicidal thoughts were there in the idea that I didn't want to kill myself. I wanted to kill a version of myself that I was disgusted and fed up with seeing. But I lost control of essentially being that person or I lost my ability to have a choice, even when I didn't want to. I, before I knew it, I was going down to the store. It was just I didn't realize that I was essentially an addict, and goes to you know I it almost killed me. Yeah. So it's kind of like you. you just, I just didn't want to go back to that. So that's really the biggest thing and just taking care of my mental health and realizing that alcohol was my was was the thing that was going to drive me to the ground and that's the biggest thing people say with sobriety is you give up one thing to gain everything and that's really what it is because you gave up everything for that one thing now you're giving up that one thing to get everything
0: You're trading for it all back.
2: Sobriety gave me everything drugs and alcohol promised me. And just four short months. So Mm -hmm. it's like, where am I going to be in the future? You know, so that just keeps me driven to just keep going. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So if you were looking back over the last 10 years, if you were to give advice to anybody, regardless of where they are at with any substance, alcohol, you, you pick it, cannabis here or whatever. If you look at it, you can say like a couple of things. Like what would you want somebody to hear from, learn from your story?
2: It's interesting. Um, Cause I kind of thought about this myself. Like if I could talk to uh my 21 year old self oh, yeah. or my 18 year old self, like, what would I say? Like, kind of if you get to teleport yourself back to that and I myself now could talk to myself then Mm -hmm. like what you're going to go through if you continue down this road. Cause I, I, I don't think growing up, I ever had an addictive personality. Um, I I feel like I had a good childhood. Everybody had those traumas good growing up. You know, I have my own things that I'm still working on that I, I don't speak about, but that comes in time. But uh, overall, I, I I just feel if I did things properly and that kind of goes back what we said initially with, you know, coming home, you know, mm-hmm. you just want to check the box just to go home. You know, I, I recall most of our things in demo were don't kill yourself and don't rape people. That's like right. <laughs> at least the army is like number one thing. Mm-hmm. But hell, they don't maybe if they gave us like a financial class on like, you know, how to be a 21 year old coming home with 60 K in their bank account. Yeah. You know, how about that? Like, let's have a class on that or Hey, you know, substance use, let's talk about, you know, mental health. Mm -hmm. But again, nobody, and I guess that's also the military that we were at in the time. Yeah.
0: It changed it. It did change a little over time, but, uh, I got buddies who are our first sergeant majors and I reached out to him a little while ago because I had that thing at work and we were going to be talking about the DOD. And I was like, well, what is I, I've been out for since 2015. So like what's actually happening? I don't know. They're tired. They're burnt out. So just as much as like, we hear that mental health is more of a priority. It seems to be like, maybe our generation is just not, not our generation is just grandfathered into the old system, the yeah. old boots and the spits and shine. It's... Just suck it up, right? You're a first sergeant. You you take care of your people, and you, you're going to retire someday kind of a deal. I have buddies that work seven days a week and barely see their families, yep. and they're not deployed. They'd rather be deployed almost in some of their cases because at least then they would have their vacation and coming home in that period then. But right now it's just nonstop. <laughs> and that's uh... –
2: I, I don't regret anything
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh i mean i do but i don't i uh, to where i'm at now i had to go through those experiences me personally because i feel like everything that happened made me who i am today and is what essentially realized where i don't want to go back to i'm incredibly proud of my military service i would wish i could go back mm-hmm. you know i wouldn't change that for the world um but I just feel that if I did things more level headed because again, when I came home I you know, I was in the reserve, so I pretty much moved on, on my own, moved in with my best friend from high school at the time and pretty much, you know, what was it? Just a party house. We would do I would have my normal um, my normal drills every month. I had a normal job. And, but what I do just came home and drank or did whatever. And it was just kind of like, just blew it all. You know, that's probably my biggest thing. I wish if I just went more right about it. Mm -hmm. Cause, but then again, and I don't feel like I would be where I am right now if I had taken that path, you know, like, so, that's the biggest thing kind of got to work through, you know, because maybe I could be, you know, in one, if I had never gone through the challenges I have, maybe I could be somewhere else. Maybe I also might not be sitting at this table right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Everything in life happens for a reason I've realized. And from me just being part of the foundation as a, as a recipient, and the way how it transpired from my company commander from overseas contacting Maria and just the snowball effect of everything going. I mean, it's it's really crazy how life works out.
0: Life. I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around just, like, the idea of, like, everything, and, like, lately i just kind of like, just be water. You know, it'll cut the rock eventually. Just keep flowing. And it sucks. I mean, I'll, I'll tell people, like, Like Oh, I'm depressed. And so I'm like, yeah, well, life's kind of shitty sometimes, you know, it's, it's what you do with it. You know, are you going to let it tear you down? You know, are we going to, you know, I mean, it's for me, it's May again. Right. And you know lots of anniversaries from March through May for me. So it's like this year, like, all right, dude, are we going to fall into a bottle? Are we going to lose our mind again? And then regret the, you know, February for the next six months and use it as reason to like, not be a dumbass again. Or are we going to like legitimately go make a conscious decision of watching ourselves, watching our behavior, communicating, calling my therapist? Because, well, obviously I like therapy. It's a good, I'm, I'm in the business of therapy, right? So like, I'm like, maybe I should practice what I preached at other people. And maybe I'm a different May this year. And so I know for me, I like, I got stuff that I like to look forward to. So like the ride for the fallen coming up, that is a tradition of mine. I am not. I'm making other changes, but I'm not changing that, right? Because it goes back to that community, being a recipient, right? Exactly. Finding that, being, I don't know, wind therapy is great. Uh, dude, I love it. I was sitting on the rear seat of my bike the other day coming down after I met you for parts. I, went, I was like, I'm just going to go M50, man. It's a nice clean shot. And the road's nice, right? And I don't have to worry about cattle trucks this time of year, gravel trucks and stuff. They did better. start
1: construction today.
0: Oh, they did. Well, yeah. I'll avoid that road now. I'm trying to. I'm trying to <laughs> skip the rocks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, hopefully I, that won't be for very long. <laughs> so yeah, I was like up there. I'm like, dude, just sounds like hanging out of a C-130 again, just like clear into the rear of the aircraft. I'm like, this is the feeling that I just like. I love it. Yep. And it's nice to have a piece of that. And then also sit there and go, like, it's nice to be out on, like, I was having a bad day. I feel a lot better today. Why? I I got some wind therapy in, you know, and spent some time with my family, ate some dinner and talked to my wife. And those different behaviors, like you're talking about, like trading it for everything. I could have gotten hammered, drunk and blacked out and had a shitty morning. It's what old Josh would have done. But like you said, you sometimes you got to think about it in the morning when you get up, what do I want the end of my day to look like? Exactly. You know, how do I want this shade? What do I want my kids to see today? You know? And like having that conversation is like, it's tough. Cause everyone moments where I was really like, no, nope, fuck it. I'm done. I wanted to be done really bad. Like all week long. I'm just like, just get through it. Just get through it. Get to the weekend. The weather's going to be nice. You'll get on your bike. You'll be fine. But then also realizing like, well, I probably should talk to somebody about what I'm thinking about. Right. You know, and just stuff like that. and Like, you're right. Every day you got to wake up and you, you kind of make a choice. And it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work to do. And and
2: I also feel that that's kind of where it helps come back to, you know, the military that we had. You know, mm-hmm. um, that stubbornness of a suck it up. You know, because essentially when you want to get through mental health issues, you want to get through and stay sober, you know, you got to... You, you gotta be stubborn. You gotta be like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to get through it. Oh, my, you know, your head could be going crazy, but what can you do positive and productive to help eliminate that? Mm-hmm. You know, after this, I'm going to go home and cut my grass. Going to make that all look good because to me, that's going to, it's something to add to my day. I mean, you gotta, you gotta fill your time with things that are, at the end of the day, you're going to look back and be like, yeah, I did all that versus, fuck, I was supposed to do all of this and oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. But then now you're overwhelmed because now you just procrastinated and you're full of regret and you feel like shit. Now it just, it leads you to want to do more. So it's like, you know, it just, when you don't, when your mind's clear and you're positive, you just want to keep doing more and more and more stuff.
0: Yeah. That level of that concept of dopamine and, and doing what makes you happy, right? It doesn't have to be a happy thing. Right. Mowing the lawn. I mean, I, I still have that whole ice storm to clean up. From. I'm not going to lie. I threw my back out. Then the ice storm hit. I'm like, this is going to be a terrible spring, man. And it's been there for months. And today's like the first nice day to light a fire and get yep. it taken care of. And I'm like, I really just don't want to do it. But I'm like, you're right. You know, you got to pick that. What are you, what is going to, you know, what is going to make you happy? And well, for me, like driving in the driveway, not having that hanging over my head is going to help me out a lot. And it seems really weird to say that, but like some of we talk about drinking and substances and triggers. Well, if you're living in a spot that looks dingy and you just keep drinking in the evening, instead of cleaning it up, guess what? You're still in a dingy spot. It looks dingy, right? And and it drives your
2: head to be like, Oh, well, whatever I'll I'll do it. I'll just have another one because now you're just like, Oh, my house looks like shit. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to mow the grass drunk or whatever situation. Have you, you always come up with an excuse. Yeah, And I, it makes you want to do the things because I, I feel good every time I lay my head down that I'm getting a full night rest because this is what I achieve throughout my day. Mm-hmm. Me as a carpenter, like I build houses. So I, I t- like that motivates me. I'm happy going to work because like that, that's the other thing you want to, if it's your job or whatever it may have you, you want to build a life you don't want to escape from. And, whatever it may be like, why would you want to have a shitty job that you don't enjoy when you'd rather maybe take a risk and do something you really do? You know, I'm fortunate that I did find the career that I found that I truly love because every day at the end of my day, I can see what I did. It's another, it's, 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 it's just self accomplishment. And then again, seeing homes that people are living in, it just makes me feel good. So it's like, you know, that's my drive. And then, you know, work hard at work and then come home play with my daughter, take her to the park, do whatever around the house. You know, I go to bed with the house looking good, you feel good, you're tired, and then you wake up to do it all over again, but you're happy to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the craziest thing that I've realized, is that once I change myself and I change my mindset off the things that I used to despise, I, I realized that I really am the same person, but those alcohol just it it just killed my ambition you know i wanted to be part of this podcast more but you know i just didn't have the uh, that drive mm-hmm. or you i wanted to take care of this or i want to take care of that well yeah the the inspiration's there but the ambition was gone because you, something always took priority yeah. and now i'm achieving all those goals so it's not i don't feel like okay boom i got clean and now i just fucking changed everything no it, it's it's i'm i'm just it's I'm just Dan. You know, I realize that, you know, my mind is uh, kind of out there and, you know, that's kind of another sign of when, uh, you know, with alcoholism or substances, like you gotta accept who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's why people drink, you know, you kind of realize like, well, maybe I am like kind of out there, you know? So maybe subconsciously you're drowning something that maybe, Oh, I'm going to hide that about myself that people are going to think is weird. But, Alcohol completely, it it kills, you know, you you being authentic, authentic, what's the term? Authentic thing, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're, you essentially have that persona of like what you are as under the influence. So, and that's kind of the best thing, hitting it head on and realizing who you really are. Because I also spent the last 10 years of my life trying to appease other people. You know, always feeling like maybe I needed somebody or, you know, maybe too ashamed or too afraid to be on my own and actually deal with my head head on alone. And doing that has actually helped as well Is once you love yourself, that's the biggest thing you got to really self care is important.
0: Absolutely. And I often like want to talk to people, especially moms, like, Start talking to a mom or another parent in general, and you start like I'm anxious about this, and I start feeling depressed about this, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, so park the brakes here. What do you do for you? And they're like, what? I'm like, what do you do for you? And then just just silence, because we think about it, even as parents, we get caught up into like, got to take the kids to soccer, got to get the house clean, got to get this food, get you know, all this stuff done. And I got to go to work. And the next thing you know, it's Friday night and you're completely overwhelmed and you're completely burnt out. And the easiest thing you're going to do is probably sit on the couch and what's in the fridge. Right. And it just kind of can escalate from there. So the question is like, what do you do for you? Because that, that self care, right. It sounds like cliche or whatever, but if we don't build ourselves up as people, if we don't love ourselves. Like you said, we don't care for ourselves. We don't go for that motorcycle ride. We don't go hit Starbucks without the kids and go to target or whatever it is that floats your boat. That hour a week, two hours a week, break it up, whatever you got to do, where you can just go, whew, you know, this is nice, right? Mm-hmm. When you feel energized, it's more likely that you're going to get the lawn mowed, take the kid to the park, right? Versus sitting on the couch and popping that beer, right? Those That makes a difference when you have that energy and that's what self-care is about. It's not about avoiding responsibilities. It's about building the energy you need so that you can take care of your responsibilities so you can do the things that you enjoy and love.
3: Exactly.
1: (laughs) 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 And I'm sitting here trying not to say a whole lot. Um, I haven't been saying a lot because I think that there's so much that Dan said today. It's very powerful. And there's a lot wrapped up into that. You know, this is just really starting that conversation. Um, You know, we could talk about, why you were selected as a recipient. And during that time you weren't doing well.
2: No, um, that was another thing too, looking back because, um, at that time I was, I was in a point in my life where I felt stuck, stagnant. Um, uh, recently at my, mental health was kind of there. I was, again, I was just preoccupied, uh, just working, being father and stepfather at the time, dealing with a toxic relationship, and uh, I was also that was also when I was actively hiding my drinking just to kind of escape my life. Comes back to what I said: you want to build a life, you don't want it to escape from. Mm-hmm. And but it felt stuck in how to get out of there. And I had uh, left the uh, the club I was in at the time around uh, a few months prior, so I was kind of I was in a weird spot. Right. And the bike I had at the time was broken down, and I had spoken to Travis uh, a few times just to shoot the shit, see what was going on, you know. And um, he called me one day. Um, actually, it was a uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, he was kind of talking about Foundation 14, and I was like, you know, I, I you know, I remember hearing about because I knew of Jay from the club life, but I, I, you know, just through that but i never knew fully what foundation 14 was mm-hmm. and um he was like yeah well you know i uh i gave uh maria your name this and that and i'm kind of thinking to myself like okay like a raffle or like a lottery like i've never won fucking bingo in my life like but okay bro <laughs> thanks right and um i think it was a wednesday You called me be, uh i was sheeting a roof and then, uh, my phone rang and it was a seven through four number. I'm like, okay, nobody ever calls me from here. And even I goes back to what Travis said, you know, you'll be getting a call from Maria sometime this week. So I answered it and, uh, it was you and I said, okay, well, I've, let's talk after work. And, you know, we spoke and then, you know, you told me kind of a little bit of everything. And, uh, then you and uh, Buff came out, interviewed me, and that was kind of like still in my mind. I'm kind of like, okay, I don't know how this all works. Am I just being interviewed as like multiple other people? Like I didn't really know what was going on. I just kind of took mm-hmm. it as it because I kind of told people at work about it, but I'm at the same time. i like, I don't want to talk about it because I don't also don't want to like put my head into something that right. – because I didn't know. Right. It's never happened to me before. like mm-hmm. but, So I didn't mm-hmm. know. And – um then it, uh, we go to Happy Alive Day, and uh, a little bit about Happy Alive Day real quick. Uh, I deployed with the 303rd MP company out of Jackson, Michigan. We were attached to 8-1-CAV, uh, second ID, and um, we, my platoon went through a mass casualty event. Um, essentially, every year my platoon gets together, and uh, we celebrate— that day celebration of life um just last year we celebrated our 10th year anniversary uh the foundation wrote out with me uh to be able because uh 2021 (laughs) happy alive day um is i was running late from work um i'm already kind of on edge because i'm running late and then travis calls me he's like hey where are you oh i'm still about another hour out oh well marine sniper are here so better hurry up i'm like fuck are they doing there? <laughs> <laughs> kind of an aspect. So I show up and everyone's just kind of acting weird. I'm like, okay, I know I'm late, but all right, guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember you you guys were getting ready to leave, so you, uh, you went to introduce yourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's when you said that, okay, well, hopefully next week you can be on time because you're going to be our next bike recipient. And then it all clicked yeah. why everyone was acting weird. Cause they all knew. And uh, I remember that day. And, um, then I remember, you know, receiving my bike and that, that feeling of, I was, I guess, the the community of being a bike recipient, especially with the foundation, it's different because it's not like you had to go out and seek it. You know, it was somebody out of essentially out of like your control out of your asking felt like saw a position that you were in, knew that your love for riding might help you get out of this spot. Mm -hmm. And that's what really how it transpired because I never would have thought that Travis took that much time into, you know, the conversations that we would have over the, like the course of like so many years since we had been home. And then, you know, seeing foundation 14 when I was in the club life, you know, and then now being a bike recipient, it's just insane how life has worked and, you know, I feel like now I can give, give back because I feel um, maybe somebody out there could be hearing, you know, whether with mental health issues, um, addiction, you know, maybe th- that might touch them and maybe help reach out to resources that could benefit them in other ways. Because there's things out there, you know, you don't always have to do the inpatient or go to rehab or you know, sometimes it may be necessary because, you know, at least in my case, I needed that medicated detox and that I needed that. Um, But that also gave me, you know, and if, if you are in that spot, you know, kind of like find something that like dig into something deep that you truly love. Maybe something that you did in your childhood that you kind of forgot about. You know, I love building Legos. I love painting abstract art, you know, just uh Something different, something productive, you know, can be the craziest thing. But, you know, if you love it, do it because you never know, it could save your life. Riding a bike, just like you said, you know, kind of having a shitty week. You just want to get to the week, get to the weekend, get through it. You get on your bike, your mind's clear and you're in a better mood Mm -hmm. because you're only focusing on what was ahead of you. You know, whatever was behind you, whatever was in your head, it's eliminated. Because you're just focusing on the right now, and sometimes the right now is the most important. yeah
1: and that was that the thing for us is, um you know we've always talked about how, yes, we work with combat veterans, and individuals have asked us to look broader than that, and we said, right now we're going to stay focused on combat veterans, and there's a reason for it, right? So when Travis called uh, me and asked me to consider you, obviously I spoke to him and got his, you know got what information that he was able to share with me. And then we talked to a couple other people before even calling you had already interviewed several people um, and just tried to understand your situation. A um, couple reasons, you know, it lets us know more about those circumstances, but lets me get some insight into you and how to approach you. So I remember that first conversation too. And um, coming out with Buff and getting a feel for, your your life at that time and he and I both felt that it was still the road ahead was going to be challenging yeah you know um and it wasn't and we've always said this is an award we weren't like hey you did a great job Dan here's your bike it's like shit's coming at you yeah you know we wanted to give you a resource um that bike being part of it but also those opportunities that would would come with that um about so much today, and um, I have a feeling this might be a little bit longer of a podcast than <laughs> we normally do because there's there so many layers to it, yep. you know. Um, and and you know, we could we could talk even more about the impact because that was one of the things that was part of that decision in speaking to you, getting a feel for where you wanted. We knew you wanted more for your daughter. You wanted more for yourself; that you had these other things you had to unpack. Yet, right yep. with your family and and just with your life situation, um, and you we saw that desire for it, but just the pride and not having the tools to get there. But you wanted it, yep. um, you know, and, and we talked about could you go back to that that twenty one year old that was offered a a drink right out of combat. In that turning point, whether you can reach, you know, as someone who has a young man going into active duty service, when he reaches that point, if we can start turning that tide by reaching them before Mm -hmm. they they get to that deciding moment and give them the tools that they need to identify, you are now in this moment, this moment that could redefine your life for the next 10, 15, 20 years, possibly forever, um, giving them those tools, that information, those individuals that have lived that and, and walked that path. You know, what are those possibilities?
2: I think, um, at, at least for me, I feel if I had uh, actually listened to the initial red flags of alcoholism, because I never didn't use any hard drugs. Um, you know, I, I am guilty of, you know, maybe skiing a few times when I was under the influence, but I mean, that's kind of, you do stupid shit when you're intoxicated. Shit happens. People do insane things. You drink and drive, you you yearning in public. You do things that are out of your mind. And I think if I looked at the warning signs of, that desire to have another drink when I had already had, you know, a half pint or a pint or when I was already like, oh, well, the day's still young, you know what I mean? Like really seeking back of like, why do I even want to drink right now? It's like 12 on a Tuesday, but just because I don't have work today, I'm going to drink, you know, maybe actually looking at those real red flags that people have. And maybe that could have stopped a lot. But at the same time, I think I was just so stubborn in my own ways of like, uh, I'll be able to figure it out. But then this also goes back to alcoholism runs in my family, Uh, both my grandfathers, um, sadly, uh, aunts, uncles, you know, some accepted it and did quit drinking due to medical reasons or whatever else or because they themselves were just done because they accepted it. Others are also in that denial aspect of, oh, well, we're just social drinking. Well, it's still not normal because you're still going out to the bar to have a few drinks and you're still driving home. You're still, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, it's it's kind of a thing where I get people do and do not believe the theory that it can be hereditary. And I guess I'm kind of on the fence with that because you can see people who saw what they're Parents or loved ones didn't realize, like, I'm not going to be like that. And then other people just kind of go in that mindset of, like, oh, well, everyone else was. Or you could break the cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how I look at me. Like, for uh, for Haven, is she's fortunately still young to where she doesn't have to see that. You know, her, her mom and her brothers, unfortunately, had to see me in that way. But at least she won't. Mm-hmm. And if she does remember, it'll be very fragile. Like, I guess the good outweighs the bad at that aspect. But at least she won't see me drinking, and uh, for the most part, she doesn't see people using or using any substances. So at least, hopefully, I you know she'll be able to make her own choice down the road. Right. But I I feel just listen to the warning signs, and I know uh, it's out there. You it's on Google, it's on Facebook, it's on YouTube. You just look up effects of alcohol, you know, uh, how a lot of the celebrities are doing or you see major names that were heavy addicts that are getting clean. They see, and and they're huge advocates in the recovery community because it really is uh, a change of life. Mm -hmm. And I guess that also changes the norm, like uh, with cannabis. Um, I do use cannabis regularly because whether it's for pain, because it's also not normal to take, uh, 1600 milligrams of ibuprofen every day you know at least that's what the va uh, prescribes me you know take a few edibles and at least that pain's gone because it's not also destroying your body mm-hmm. so i mean uh, a lot of people are doing that with weddings too you know they're going away from like the open bar concept to having like an it's open not bug bar. Wedding. Yeah, I think uh, Dispensary's actually the doing day. something and like that. And there's now
1: mock cocktail bars. Yeah. They're opening up alcohol free bars so that people can still have that social dynamic mm. without. Yeah, which alcohol. is
0: completely awesome because you lose so much social aspects when you. And that's such a hard thing to build motivation around, especially if you're, your community is like a small one, right? Where do you go? you're probably going to go hang out at the Legion or the bar next door or something like that. Cause that's the hangouts where everybody's at, but like, yeah. Yeah. So lots of things we talk about, like, well, what can you do to be in that situation? Like I'll get a mocktail. I'm like, yeah, you know, the difference between gin and tonic and a water and a lime What you know, and what nobody else can see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. You know, just literally water, ice and lime mm-hmm. and everybody will think you're drinking something. Right. And they'll, they'll avoid some of that pressure and you can still be in that situation. And just, you know, as long as you can tolerate it. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Mocktails are a huge, are a huge tool there too. And you still get to have a fun, cool little drink. If you, that's what you're into.
2: Exactly. Same thing with Alan clubs. Like at least that's where I go to my A-E meetings. I also have a, uh veteran, uh, Resource building down the street for me that hosts meetings, mm-hmm. but you know, an know club. You know, if you're in that, if you're that kind of person who does like to be social, same thing. You can go there, you know, have a burger, have have some food, but also, you know, there's no alcohol, so you know, you can also get that social aspect and talk That's to awesome. other people who are in recovery and still get that. So, I mean, again, there's so many resources out mm-hmm. there that mm-hmm. you know, and there's all. You, the excuse of, Oh, I can't make a meeting there. I got an app on my phone meeting finder. You know, it shows you meetings within a, you can expand your range. Yeah. I could find 10 meetings right now, like just in Ipsy, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's resources or, I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. zoom nowadays. You can do uh zoom Personal. AA meetings. You
0: can search for them if you need to do a one virtually, like if you're feeling sick or whatever, yep. you can get on there. Smart recovery is another Another option there for people that might like, I know 12 steps works for some, might not work for everybody, right? The smart recovery is pretty much the same thing as AA, just without the difference, just a different way of going about it so that everybody can have their needs met. But I'd never, I did not know that Al-Anon clubs did like food and everything. Yeah, uh, I've been studying resources and building brochures for three years. That's the first I've heard of and, That's awesome.
2: And it's, it's, it's definitely, um, like it's uh, it, it really is helpful when you're able to uh, talk to other people or dealing with the same thing. Cause it really makes you feel like you're not the only one when you yeah. did feel like you were the only one, even though it's kind of a thing like subconsciously you knew you weren't the only one, but I guess you just really takes that first step to do it. Yeah.
0: So with that, with that said, if any, oh wait, one, moment. one moment?
1: <laughs> just because there was so much it, and I'm not going to try to go into everything, but I do want to say, cause you had brought up your happy alive day that we, we were so honored to even be invited to that. We had, we had talked to several people, um, from your unit as well as other people that that knew you. And, um, the idea was to, to share that with them because, uh, a lot of them couldn't make it to the bike presentation. And we wanted, we wanted that moment to be with them. you because of what you had all shared together. And Michelle and Brian Wager were there as well. Um, and she's a, a bike recipient as well. And, and as we've been able to grow the foundation, our recipients have become much more able to be part of what we do and that transition of, of having, um, more people doing more as part of that ultimate formula. And, um, And then again, as you had shared last year, the foundation writing out that meant so much to those individuals that were able to be there. Um, because we, we know that that's sacred and we know that that's special. Um, and, and that's the thing is that while you need whatever, whatever it is that you're facing can be very overwhelming and the need to focus on the right here, right now, first, let let me focus on this next step I need to take or these next five minutes or whatever it is. Um, there's other people that are part of that as well that are impacted. And sometimes I think it's hard for those who care for us to be able to sit there and be to an extent hands off. And at the same time, depending on what they've been through with you, sometimes they need to have their own, whether therapy or people to reach out to or support because you so much want to care for, protect, help catch that person. And, in some situations, you have to let them fall too and give them the ability to lift themselves up and stand on their own or else you're going to constantly be that person that has to keep them and you can't always be there. Mm-hmm. So um, several of the conversations that we have had over the last couple of years, especially the last few months, there has been a notable change in you and just in your voice, in your mindset, in your perspective. You are going through a lot of stuff. I remember I was... I think I was sitting in my car at the airport because I was flying out. I was like, I need to get on my flight, but we were talking about some things and I was just like, um, I, I heard what you were struggling, but I I could also hear in your voice again, that determination that for you to find that solution for you to figure this out. And I had to let you do that, but, but also for you to know, because you have this entire group of people that you served with through the foundation that you've met in other circles that just want to see you successful. And when you shared with me the other day, your four months sobriety, I can't even tell you, I am so freaking proud of you, but I knew freaking how hard it was to get there.
2: And, 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 and you're right. And that's the, I'm happy to hear that because that's, that is the biggest thing. And sometimes the best thing to hear is when you can hear others see the change and see the improvement. Cause that I'm, once I got released from the hospital, I did lay really low. I just focused on myself, my daughter, my job, getting getting sober, staying clean consistently, and getting into a routine between, you know, I, I remodeled, I repainted my entire house just to change my scenery to something new. Just trying to start that next chapter without forgetting that old chapter, if that makes any sense. But ultimately... I had to do it myself. I I knew I had the resources. I knew I had people that loved me and uh guys that I deployed with plaid would call and check in on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew that they were thinking about me, but again, you can you can lead a horse to water as mean it's going to drink. So, mm-hmm. same thing with me like I I knew I had all all the resources, but I myself had to do it. Mm-hmm. And I had to work it and I had to get something that worked for me. And when I got a hold of you uh, the last couple weeks and said, okay, I think I'm, I'm ready to start coming around again. That was kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm in a good head where I'm consistently I'm ready. Like I, and that sometimes I can take people six months, eight months, a year plus maybe sooner. It doesn't know. At least for me, this is where I feel comfortable enough to get more out there. I mean, Oh, this is the farthest I've driven in four months. It was crazy getting on ninety four. I was like, <laughs> fuck, this is a freeway. I've been used to just going home and work, home and work in Myers. I just keeping my simple routine. So it's like again, getting out, getting out and being like, okay. And it's still early in the day. Like mm-hmm. I got so much more I can do. So yeah. it's like you just gotta think of the positive. That's really it.
1: Like I said, there's so much we can talk about, but I just want to end it on. I just, again, getting that message from you the other day, I was just so, I've been waiting for it, just waiting for it, you know, and and there are so many people, um, when you had gone in the hospital, it's just everybody's calling each other, like, has anyone heard from him today? What's going on with him today? What's his status? What's, but people trying to give you your space, but be there enough to make sure you made it to where you needed to be but giving you the power and the ability to make those decisions yeah. and do what you needed to do. So, I'm very grateful for today.
0: Yeah. Your friends were calling me. That's how me and Dan met, I think. Was people reaching out <laughs> yeah. like, "What do, how can we help him?" And I was like, "I not
2: so. It it was pretty squirrely there for a minute. Yeah, I mean, and
0: it was really good to hear from you the other day. When you're like, "Hey, man," And I was like, oh, "Thank God," because <laughs> I saw how many people were carrying. I was like, "No, that was this kind is of really suck."
2: I just kind of felt like it wasn't fair to myself and everybody else. Like, to not do like try to come back too soon or wait till I was ready. Because absolutely, what, what good am I if I'm still kind of in a rock and hard place? I'd, I'd rather be out there when I'm ready.
3: Absolutely. And that's
2: the biggest thing. You just gotta, and you'll know, and you'll know when you're ready.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hard part of what we're trying to do, right? Is that there's individuals out there that don't feel they have those networks. Don't feel that they have those people, even if they do, it's hard to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes there's people that don't because they have disassociated for so long and have put up that hard. No, you know, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet there's, there are people out, out there, that, whether it's an organization, a meeting that you can go to, like Dan's talking about, there's resources. And and Josh, you've moved, because you've talked about it a little bit, away from research, and you're now doing clinical.
0: Yeah, so I, I joined a group practice in Saline, Michigan, a couple months back. So I'm doing a little bit of both right now, and hopefully continue to work my way into uh, more clinical work.
1: And we've talked a little bit, too, because there, you know, Dan, fortunately, has had – um, the ability to connect through several VA programs that has worked for you, yep. correct? Um, but there's still people out there that are like if it's attached to the VA, like no way, no how. Like I don't want mm-hmm. anything to do with that. Yet you have the ability to serve both.
0: Yeah, I do. So. And and there's lots of lots of resources that are VA, non-VA. And that's one of the cool things I enjoyed about some of the research stuff that I got to do is I was also working on U of M projects as well with substance use disorders. So I was like, now when somebody's like, well, I want to go to the VA. And I'm like, well, you know, here you go. Here's something else. I'm like, ah, this guy's got tricks. I was like, yep. Because there's not, there's, you have VA resources, right? We got, we've mentioned AA, Al-Anon. We've mentioned Smart Recovery. We've mentioned those are all, can be online or in person. And then you've mentioned inpatient, you know. And then there's also the outpatient. There's intensive outpatient. There's lots, there's group practices like the one I work in where there's people that, we'll do one-on-one substance use disorder treatment. And there's different ways to go about that too. There's not a cookie cutter. Everybody, like Dan was saying, you got to do it for you. You got to figure out what works for you and you got to find those feet and then you can get back out there like Dan's doing now. And there's lots of options Mm -hmm. for anybody. So people, you can Google my name and reach out to me that way. You can get to a hold of us through the foundation, I don't know how Dan feels, but like if somebody reaches out to the foundation website, they can forward that email on to me and I can send resources. I have them prepped for people if that's what they're interested in.
1: Yeah. Cause you said Google go your that. name, but let's face it, your name yeah, is so easy I don't to think Google. Maybe,
0: now that you've mentioned it, uh, my name's kind of wild. So maybe just reach out to the foundation. <laughs> and try yeah. to spell some weird last Dutch name you're not going to find me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what we'll do when we post this is we'll put some information too we can in the description, just at least a starting point um, somewhere that you can go to find those resources or even mm-hmm. to find Josh who will point you in that direction because, of course, Foundation does not endorse any of those. Um, we are not We are not therapists, but, mm-hmm. but Josh knows um, what resources are out there and he can point you in the right direction.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, I think, I don't know how you feel about things, Dan, but even like for myself is like having that place to go, so that place of community as well. So that's one thing as Foundation we can do. We can endorse our community, right? Yes. Um, Follow us on social media, reach out to us, get on our website, look at the calendar. It's summertime. There's a lot of different things coming up, lots of places to connect, whether you're a veteran, a combat veteran, or somebody who supports veterans, or you just need something to do and you like riding, right? There's a spot for everybody here and just come out, check us out, have a good time and enjoy the summer
1: yep and we are throughout all southeastern michigan we go up north a little bit but we're in northern ohio now we've got some stuff coming up that we're going to announce soon we're in northern indiana and we're in san antonio texas so if you if you're looking to find an actual foundation event you'll uh, come to either our facebook page which is a great resource or our website and you'll be able to find more details of those locations but we are networked with other organizations as well so either way you can send us an email info at foundation14.org or just through our website or through our facebook page and we can put you in touch with some organizations that's in your area all
0: right well thank you dan it was great having you back in the studio look forward to having you back here in the next couple episodes as well right on looking forward to it awesome all right with that said y'all enjoy the day